Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer news, rockin' America. Soccer news, rockin' America. Featuring person talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to Soccer New Rock in America, featuring you know who. Hello. Yeah, that's my kid, eleven-year-old person who co-hosting with me. She gets lots of her own fun time and fun segments on here that so many of you tune in for. Uh, me, I'm the guy who's going to be bringing you the mini previews for the best, most intriguing matches from around the world. Any top flight, major tournament, countries and confederations, big and small. If the match is truly important and high stakes where it's being played, it is on our radar. This week, we're going to be talking about matches from Friday the 28th through May 4th. That is Thursday. That's the way our week always runs. So uh, before the next coughing fit abruptly take me, let us dive right into the previews with... March number one! We start our global soccer trek on Friday with a match from the African Champions League for club teams. They have reached the quarterfinal, and what they are going to be playing is what's called the second leg of a two-legged tie. That means each of the paired-off teams play home-and-away matches against one another, and the team that has the best overall score will win. Your matchup, Wydad Casablanca versus Simba SC. This looks like the juiciest one because Simba SC, they won the first leg 1-0. Now they've got to go on the road and see if that's enough to hold up. The winners will get to play either C.R. Beloizdad out of Algeria or Mamelodi Sundowns out of South Africa. Those are both names that I know, and if Noob knows them, that means they are long-established teams. This is a tough tournament. You can catch this particular match on BN Sports at 2 in the afternoon Eastern time in the U.S. First up, we will, as always, talk about the home team. That is our tradition, and that is Team Noob favorite. Did you know that person, Noob? Why, Dad? Casablanca. Casablanca. Yep, Casablanca. That's in Morocco. 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 <laughs> yes, and do you know why that is uh, my favorite team? Not really. No? Why Dad was the Latinized uh, name of an Egyptian actress from way back in, I want to say, like the 1930s. And uh, one of the board members who helped to name the club had just come late to the meeting from having seen a movie that this Egyptian ad- actress, whose real whose real stage name I think was Um Kathul, but Latinized it was Wydad. Wydad means uh, it's Arabic for like uh, love in the sense of sincere affection. And to the best of my knowledge, it is the only club in the world to be named for a singer. Really? Yeah, and I love unique stuff like that. So Wydad, they were known as the Red Castle. They were a uh, 
it's very much a national team. In fact, I don't think they themselves refer to themselves with Casablanca in the name. I know they didn't initially in their history. They can, the team was kind of created as a response to French colonialism. They very much wanted to be a team of all the people. This is a team that has uh, certainly represented themselves well. They have won the African Champions League three different times, and they are your defending champions. So they qualified two different ways. They won that last year, and they won the Batola Pro, which is the top flight league in Morocco, which, by the way, is the number one ranked league in all of Africa. And they themselves are considered to be the second best team in all of Africa over the last five years. They advanced to the knockout stage by uh, topping Algerian team J.S. Kabilia in that group stage by three points. Uh, decent offense, incredible defense. They finished with a seven against one goal differential. Here in this event on the team scoring leaderboard with three is Bouli Sambu from Senegal, a guy to look for if you're watching. Team's current form, they are unbeaten in 12 straight matches across all competitions where they were until the leg one loss that they just suffered to Simba, which play out of Tanzania. They play specifically out of the capital Dar es Salaam in a district or township called Kariaku, which sounds a little strange. And if it does, that's uh, simply a respoken version of Carrier Corps. That's where the British used to have their Carrier Corps down there in this area. Their official nickname is the Reds of Ensimbazi which is uh, the name of a river locally, and it may be the whole name for kind of a regional basin area as well. Simba means lion, and there is a lion on the crest. But since they actually named the whole club Simba, I will not do my usual thing and say how terrible that is because every third club in the world is named lions, and it gets a little cliche after a while. They are considered to be just in inside the top 10 of all African clubs, Last year, they made the Champions League second qualifying round. That's the round right before the group stage. Two different times they've gotten this far in the event, most recently 2020-2021. They qualified for this year's edition of the tournament by finishing in second place in Tanzania's top league, which is called the Ligi Kubara. And that league is ranked number 11 in all of Africa, which is important because if you're outside the top 12, you only get to send one team to the Champions League instead of two. So they just made it. They finished in second place in their group, but that was pretty good. It was enough, obviously, to advance them, but more than that, it was a slight upset. They were actually uh, drawn out of the third pot, so they were seeded three out of the four teams, if you were looking for predictions on paper. They had a 10 versus 7 goal differential at the group stage, which is really pretty average for the most part, a little bit better on defense. I don't expect this to be a super high-scoring affair. Tied for second best, nevertheless, in event scoring with four is Klatos Kama, or Chama, C-H-A-M-A. He is a Zambian midfielder. Uh, early in his career, he had some success with a different team from this country, Zesco, and helped them to the Champions League semifinals. Team's current form, they've won three straight across all competitions and didn't concede a single goal over that stretch. Match number B. Onward into the weekend, Saturday for match number B. And yes, you heard right, because number two, well, that's something that gets flushed down the toilet. That's what we're looking to do with this particular phrase. Replace it in your lives, Nubites, with the much more couth number B. And for our second match, it's back to the U.S. Major League Soccer. 
number one in the East New England Revolution facing off against number B. There we go. In the East, Cincinnati. This is a key one, obviously. Right now, the Revolution leads Cincinnati by five on goal differential, so they're tied on points. The pair of them lead Atlanta United by two. The series between these two, no real surprise here for longer-time MLS fans. Uh, New England have a 5-1-1 record. Cincinnati was usually the worst team in the league, basically, until last year suddenly. Now, a reminder that in Major League Soccer this year, the top nine teams from each of the two conferences will make the playoffs. The bottom two from each will have kind of a little play-in match. In terms of international play, the CONCACAF Champions League, uh, the MLS Cup champion or playoff champions, will go straight to the round of 16. Also going to this event will be the two conference winners and the next two best overall teams. You can catch this particular match as you can virtually any of the matches now in Major League Soccer on Apple TV with MLS Pass. This one will have a kickoff at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. New England, they'll be hosting. They play in the greater Boston area in Foxborough at Gillette Stadium, the same place where the Patriots play. No soccer-specific venue for them yet. The biggest trophy that they currently have in their case comes from 2008 when they won something called the North American Superliga that involved U.S. and Mexican teams. They also did win the Supporters' Shield in 2021. That means that they had the best record in the regular season from either of the conferences. They've also won the East, East Conference five other times. Last year was the first time and only time, though, that they've ever gotten to play in the CONCACAF Champions League, and they made the quarterfinals. Last year, they didn't catch a sniff of it, though. They finished in 10th place in the East, which meant that they were out of the playoffs. This year, very well balanced, a little bit better on defense. They're second best in the conference in that regard, giving up less than one goal per match. Key players to look for. Uh, tied for second best in clean sheets so far on the season is their goalie, uh, Jordi Petrovic, he's a Serbian, just 23 years old, and it's no fluke. I'm sure the defense in front of him is very good, but he's also got the second best save percentage in the league. Uh, he's had uh, Liverpool and Manchester United already scouting him. I would be a little bit surprised to see him move on between now and next year since the European season is hitting its home stretch. But he'll be on the other side of the pond if he wants to, collecting bigger checks sooner rather than too terribly much later. Their most valuable player, I think, once again this year, has been uh, Carlos Gill. He's their Spanish attacking midfielder. He made the all-star team last year. Uh, he's done time with Aston Villa over in the Premier League and uh, Elche over in Liga 1 in Spain. He is really gifted when it comes to his passing accuracy, nearly 90%. And then he's also got two goals and an assist on the year. Also noteworthy, uh, being in the top 10 in the league, is Dewan Jones. He plays left back for them. No goals, two assists, but he absolutely cleans up on all the defensive stats. Plus, he's a very, very accurate passer for a non-central player. He's not as good as Gill, but easily good enough uh, for a central position, and they have the luxury of being able to put him on one of the sides. Team's current form, they are unbeaten in their last seven across all competitions. Cincinnati. This is another one with a lion, but it's not their official nickname, which I respect, but it's got a lion on the crest, but it's got a slightly heraldic look, but a little bit more detailed, and he's got a sword in his paw, and it's just regal and cute without being overly intimidating. I really dig it.
Uh, last year, they finished in fifth place in the East, so they actually went to the playoffs. And in fact, they made the conference semifinals. This was easily the best of their first four seasons here in Major League Soccer. Before that, they were playing in Division Two, the USL Championship now. They're really well balanced as well. I don't think they'll finish quite this high in the league. They've got a top six offense and a top five defense. Uh, good for a top five overall goal differential. So uh, I really expect them to slide a couple of spots by the end of the season, but time will tell. Key players to look for. Number one in goals per 90 minutes, getting close to one and a quarter on average, is Sergio Santos, the Brazilian central forward. Uh, he came over here after four seasons with uh, Philadelphia Union. But the most valuable overall player, I think, he's tied for second best in chances created with 23 on the year. And that is Alvaro Barrio from Argentina. He's just 22 years old, plays left back for them, but he's top 10 in assists already with three. And uh, by the sounds of it, he should have a whole lot more than that if his team were converting at a reasonably good rate. Their goalkeeper, I'm not as sold on him as some people, Roman Celentano. I don't think he's bad by any stretch. He's tied for number one in clean sheets on the year with five, but I think that's more a product of the overall defense. He's only average when it comes to save percentage. Team's current form, well, they just bounced back from their first loss of the season to number one in the West or number B in the West, I don't remember which, St. Louis, and that came after a long unbeaten streak. Match number three. We forge further into Saturday. Our third match takes us to Europe, specifically Italy's Serie A, which is the number four ranked league in all of Europe. And what a classic and great matchup we have here. Not quite a derby, but it'll do. Number four, Roma, taking on number five, AC Milan. Now, the reason that is so critical is because being one of the four big leagues in Europe, and this is a bit for our uh, burgeoning fans like me, the end of the year, we're getting close. The top four teams in the league will all get to go to the Champions League. The fifth place one will have to settle for the Europa League, which is a fine tournament. But yeah, finishing in the top four is nearly as important as actually just finishing in fourth, at least monetarily. And these two are in a virtual dead heat. Right now, Milan lead them by eight goals scored. That means they are tied on points in the table and they are tied on overall goal differential. They are really having to work their way down the tiebreaker list. When the two teams played earlier this season, Milan only earned a 2-2 draw at home, and now they have to face Roma on the road. The series between these two has been very even as well the last several seasons. Milan with the slightest of edges, a 9-8-8 and record. You can watch this one at noon Eastern Time U.S. on Paramount+, and I intend to. Roma, they are known as the She-Wolf, singular, a nod to uh, the mythos surrounding the city's history. I kind of like that they're not the She-Wolves. There was only one in the myth, and so that is their nickname. They've won the league title three different times, but it's been a little bit over 20 years. They won the first one of the century and nothing since. They have made the final before what is now the Champions League, but the fact that I phrase it that way has, tells you it was a while back, 1983-84. They made the semifinals much more recently, 2017-18. They just beat... Uh, international rival Feyenoord in the Europa League in the round of 16. That was a fun one. And getting to the semifinal of that ties them for the best event finish that they've ever had there. By the way, they also beat Feyenoord in last year's Europa Conference League final. 
you know, between that and some vandalism by Dutch fans and the fact that they weren't allowed to go to the last one in Roma, that's turning into quite a heated rivalry as well. Last year, Roma finished sixth place in the league. This year, they're getting it done on defense. The offense is a little above average, nothing too impressive, but like at least three of the other teams in Italy, they're giving up less than a goal per match. That ties them for only sixth best on goal differential. This is not a team I think is going to finish in a Champions League spot, but three points today would go a long way to proving me wrong. Number three in the league in clean sheets, key guy to look for, 13 of those. Rui Patricio, their veteran, 35-year-old Portuguese netminder. The only other teams he's ever played for, I think, are Sporting CP over in his native country, one of the big three, and then Wolverhampton. He was probably the guy who was in net when they got promoted to the Premier League, where they still are now. He's only number 10 in save percentage. I think he does a better job maybe directing the defense in front of him than he actually does at stopping shots. The fourth best overall player in the league statistically, according to at least FOTMOB, which is an app that I trust, and uh, he's tied for number five in the league in goals plus assists with 17. That is Paulo Dybala from Argentina. He plays attacking midfielder for them. But alas for Roma, he is injured. Their next best player they're really going to have to lean on is Lorenzo Pellegrini. We've talked about him before. He plays an attacking midfielder role as well. They really complement each other well. It'll be interesting to see how they do with just one of them on the field. He's got four goals and five assists on the year. Team's current form, they are 2-0-1 in their last three. And now Milan, they are known as the devil. I'd actually feel better if that one were plural. It's just the singular little frightening. 19 league titles, also frightening, and they are your league defending champions. They're not going to win the league this year. Napoli's run away with it. Uh, last year's title was the first one that they had won in a decade. They've also won the Champions League seven different times, but their uh, halcyon days are a little bit back. The last title they won was 2006-2007. Uh, they are still in the Champions League this year, and they're about to face intra-league rival Inter Milan in the semifinals. In league play, we finally have a team that isn't doing that great on defense. They're just barely above average, but their offense, they get one and two thirds goals per match, which is good for being in the top three in this particular league. But they too don't have the most uh, impressive goal differential. I still think, especially if these two only get a draw, I think that Inter Milan are going to pass them both up and get that fourth and final Champions League spot. Time will tell. Key players to look for. Tied for second best in successful tackles per 90 is Davide Calabria. Uh, he plays right back for them. He's been here his entire senior career since 2014. Adds a little bit of uh, offensive spice in there as well. He gets up in some wing back action. He's got a goal and three assists. The fifth best overall player and most valuable one on the team, in my opinion, is Rafael Leo, though. Portuguese left winger, really young fella, 23 years old. He's got a dozen goals on the season and six assists to go with it. Real Madrid have been interested in him, but I think they've at least been pretending to be balking a little bit at the 100 plus million uh, pound or euro price tag that the team wants to get for him. That's a lot for just about anybody. And we do have a USA connection here as well from the U.S. men's national team. It's Serdinho Dest, 22-year-old fullback. He's actually on loan here from his contract in Barcelona. 
He was not born in the United States. He's Dutch born, but nevertheless, through family and lineage, he is eligible for the U.S. and has been playing for them. A little bit over two dozen uh, USMNT caps for him already. He is excellent in possession of the ball, does very little to give that away. So critical in a position like that. Team's current form, 4-2-0 in their last six, and they only conceded two goals over that stretch. Match number four. Enough teasing about Champions Leagues this show. Let's actually get into one that is in action with a key matchup. That is in Asia. The AFC Champions League has reached its final. They're getting ready to play the first leg of the home and away two-legged tie between Al-Hilal out of Saudi Arabia and Urawa Red Diamonds from Japan. Series between these two in recent years, they haven't played that much. I mean, they're from different countries. But hello with a slight edge, 2-1-1. One, and one. And since we'll clearly be talking about the second leg when it happens, this is a good chance for us to take a timeout, consider doing a little gambling, try to make a little quid, and we're not afraid to cheat, or at least try to cheat. He doesn't often give us a terribly accurate result, but it's still filled with lots of fun and occasionally even a little bit of learning. What am I talking about? It is our chance to turn to 3,500-year-old in-house prognosticator, Noob Stradamus, world wanderer with the holy noggin, getting ready to hopefully have a. Uh, we haven't had, we've had a lot of trouble contacting him like the last three weeks. We get a lot of interference, as I'm sure you've heard, longer time listeners. I think we've got a clear connection this time. Let's get a drug aided or drug addled vision, see how it goes. Take it away, oh mighty soothsayer. Greetings from Mazmak Fortress in Riyadh. I stand atop one of the turrets overlooking the mid-afternoon's hustle and bustle in Clock Tower Square. No chop-chop today, which would have compelled me to seek a quiet corner inside and out of the holy noggin-baking desert sun. I could almost light my lotus leaf afire just pressing it to the stonework. Let's divine a soccer score and then retreat from the heat. And I now once again travel through space and time. Whee! My eyes open, and I still sit atop the fortress. But I am out of space and time. It is nighttime now. But even so, there should be some foot traffic below. Silence. As if the only ones here are me and... <gasps> the Pillsbury Doughboy! His knowledge and understanding of the universe and other dimensions of existence is said amongst my kind to have virtually no bounds. I have never expected to reach a point in my lifetime where I could meet him in this dream expanse, or the real world. Every complex question I ever thought of asking him is driven right from my head. He looks at me, ever grinning, yet infinitely patient. What wisdom would you share with me, great philosopher? Who nothing does love like my crescent roll? I told you his grasp of the universal infinite was unmatched. Doughboy, what message do you wish me to carry back to the waking world? Pillsbury Crescent Rolls make an ordinary dinner extraordinary. 
It shall be so, learned one. I can't believe I'm asking this. Is the answer to the soccer score I seek? Instead of scolding me for my impudence, his grin remains unchanged. He looks up at the crescent moon. My gaze follows his. It fills my vision as if surrounding my mind until I am blissfully blinded. I wake. Noob, the crescent moon, a primary religious symbol for Islam, of course, appears seven days and seven nights either side of a new moon. The score shall be seven to seven. I have seen, and I have spoken. Match number five. One more match to go for our Saturday, and we're headed to New Zealand, where the top flight is called the National League. It is the number one rated league in all of the Oceanic Football Confederation. Uh, Since Australia left for officially the Asian Football Confederation about a decade ago, New Zealand is far and away the biggest country now left in the region. They were the only one that was competing with Australia on even a semi-regular basis. Now, the New Zealand National League, I think, technically refers to Uh, the final phase of the season. What you have right now in the first phase here are three regional leagues of uh, different sizes and and slightly different ability levels. They're all at the same semi-professional level, really, more or less. In any event, in each of the three regional leagues, they play a double round robin and anywhere from two to four of the teams, depending on the size and uh, the history of how well the teams have done, two to four of the teams will move on to the final or national league that will come up a few months from now. They're very early in the regional stage right now, but when you have two teams that are tied, I just couldn't resist, especially when one of them is mighty Auckland City, easily the best of all the club teams in Oceania these days. They're ranked number one going on the road against number B in the Northern League. That's one of the three regional ones, a team called Eastern Suburbs. They're the only two undefeated teams left in this regional league. Right now, Auckland City lead by six on goal differential. Series has been all Auckland City the last couple of seasons. They've got a perfect 5-0-0 record against them. Eastern Suburbs, one we likely know less about. I know I certainly am not familiar with them. They're known as the Tigers. Uh, They, too, are located in Auckland, but out in suburbia. It's a place called uh, Kohimarama. It's a big tourism area, particularly for outdoors enthusiasts. It's not only on the ocean, but they've got multiple nature reserves there as well. They've won the overall national title two different times, actually. Uh, Last time was 2018-2019, probably right before I first ever started following soccer, really at all, and back when this podcast was not even quite started as a blog the way that it uh, started out. They last actually won the Northern League in only 2015. So, you know, really some checkered success from there. 2020, they won the OFC Champions League group stage. And it might have looked like it was really going to be their year. But then thanks a lot, COVID, the rest of the event ended up getting canceled. I believe that it was... uh, Auckland City that ended up getting nominated to go and play in the uh, as the OFC unofficial champion in the FIFA Club World Cup after that for the unofficial world title. 
Last year, Eastern struggled mightily and then some finishing near the bottom of this particular regional league. This year, they have made huge strides, particularly on defense. They're only giving up uh, an average of two goals every three matches, and they've got a, a well above offense to go with that. I don't think that this is a team that will challenge Auckland City for the title. I very much think that they are good enough to finish in the top four and make the uh, final phase uh, and make the National League proper. Key player to look for, tied for number one in league scoring with five on the year, is Martin Bueno out of Uruguay. Uh, 2020-21, just to give you a little bit of perspective of what the level is like here, he played for Serie C team in Italy, the third division, a team called Livorno, because in New Zealand, things are only even semi-professional. Team's current form, the only draw, the only dropped points of the year they've had, uh, that was three matches ago. And now Auckland City, they actually also play in a suburb, but I think a much more interior one, Sandringham. Uh, it's an area with about 12,000 people, huge South Asian population. I think it'd be a fascinating part of the city to go and visit. They are both your Northern Regional League champions and your defending overall National League champions. They have won 11 straight, quote unquote, uh, regular season championships. The format has changed at least once over the last decade or so, but Suffice to say, they've been winning everything regionally, and they have won the overall National League title three times in a row. Ten different times they have won the Champions League in Oceania. They were the only team that was really pressing Australia, Australian clubs with any regularity. They are your defending champions. All of their ten titles, by the way, have been since 2006. 2014, they finished in third place in the FIFA Club World Cup. So they won a couple of matches there at least. And that's really impressive and hard to do, again, considering that they're semi-professional. This year, so far tied for number one on offense and on defense. The offense I want to mention in particular, they're getting three and a third goals per match on average. Key player in that regard, tied for second best in league scoring, is William Gillian. 20 years old is that it'll be interesting if he moves over to mainland Australia or even somewhere else into Asia before too long. Team's current form, their only draw was also just three matches ago. It's Kitty O'Clock. That means it's time to do a recap of last week's matches. Let's have a look. Match number one was a Saturday match last week. Major League Soccer, number five in the East, NYCFC, took on number four in the West. Dallas, and it was the home team prevailing 3-1. That moved NYC up to number four in their conference. Match number B from League One in France. Number three, Lentz took on number four, Monaco. Team match, somebody trying to get that last Champions League berth. And it was Lentz defending their home field quite handily. 3-0, no change in the table there for either of them. Match number three from the second division of the U.S., the USL Championship. Number one in the East Charleston Battery took on number two, Louisville City. They played to a nil-nil draw, and that actually ended up knocking Louisville down to number three early in the season. Now. Sunday, match number four from the Premier League, England. Number four, Newcastle. Number five, Tottenham. Once again, a final Champions League for a slot on the line in Newcastle. Oh, they just laid waste to Tottenham, 6-1. to one, And that actually moved them up into third place. Match number five from the uh, Football League in the Philippines. Number B, Dynamic Herb Cebu played number one, Kaya Iloilo. And the result was a 1-1 draw. No change in the table there. 
Match number six from the Netherlands top flight, the Eredivisie. It was number three, PSV Eindhoven taking on number BIX, PSV 3-0 over uh, their brethren there, two of the three uh, big historic teams over in the Netherlands. Match number seven from the Maestro Liga, the top flight in Estonia. Number one, Flora Talon took on number B, FCI Lavadia. It was the visitors getting the win. We hadn't seen that yet, I don't think, here in this particular recap. They won nil two. Man, we said to look for Ernest Aguirre had the opening and therefore the winning goal. They switched places in the table. Northern European season isn't very far along like the rest of the continent. Still very early there. Match number eight from the Cypriot First Division, number one, Aris Limassol took on number B, Apuel Nicosia, and they played to a nil-nil draw. That race just gets tighter and tighter between three or maybe even four teams. No change in the table for those two at the moment. Wednesday match number nine from the U.S. Open Cup third round, Chicago Fire playing the only local qualifier left. Maybe semi-professional Chicago House, a team we've been following every other week when they've been having these rounds. And at long last, Chicago House, uh, they'll have their league, uh, league season to focus on shortly. They lost 3 to nothing, understandably, to the Fire. Defender Kendall Burks had a brace for Chicago Fire. Thursday, match number 10 from the UEFA Women's Champions League semifinal, second leg of the home and away two-legged tie, Barcelona versus Chelsea. The result was a 1-1 draw for this match. That meant the Barcelona win overall on aggregate and advanced to the final 2-1. to one. For Barcelona, Kiga we said to look for, Aitana Bonmati had an assist, and for Chelsea, their superstar Sam Kerr assisted on the goal. And finally, your route of the week match, first of the three bonus matches with explanations coming a little bit later. A Saturday match in St. Kitts and Nevis from their Premier League, or Nevis. Number one, Kayon versus number 12, last place, Security Force, and ooh, Congratulations, Security Force, on your point. You got a 1-1 draw earned in on the road, no less. That was good enough to move them up to 11th place. Still leaves them in the relegation zone overall, though. Your most meaningless match in the world was the Thursday match in Saudi Arabia, the pro league there between number 8, Altei, and number 10, Abha. There's Altei getting the win 1-0. That moved them up to number 7. Abha down to number 10. Still sounds pretty meaningless to me in that particular table. And finally, your Sunday match of disappointment from the Chilean Primera División. Number 14, third to last place, Magallanes taking on number 16, very worst, Deportes Copiapó. And it was Copiapó getting the win. Nil two. congratulations. Uh, that knocked Magallanes down to number 15 and Copiapó all the way up to number 14 and out for the moment of the relegation zone for Copiapó. Main man, or not really a main man we said to look for, but a guy who we called most disappointing uh, player, a most disappointing player. We like to throw extra affixes in there. God, they said there was the worst of all their regular starters. Diego Garcia, he must have gotten winged of it and motivated. And that's what I'm going to tell myself. He had an assist and was your man of the match. Wow. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's get back into previewing the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. We flipped the calendar page to Sunday, but we're gonna, not going to earn very many frequent flyer miles on this particular trip. We're headed back to Australia for the A-League Women's Playoff Final. Top flight for the gals there. And it is the top two seeds from the regular season that have made it to the final. Number B, Western United. Uh, they will be playing number one, Sydney FC. I don't know that it will 
uh, be at their home stadium, but the match is being played in Sydney. So Western United at best is not the home team, uh, anything other than on paper. Uh, a side note here about the format. It's very interesting because only the top four teams made the playoffs, so they could do a simple little bracket, but they make it a little tiny bit more complicated for some reason. The first round, they call it the semifinal. The top two seeds play each other, and then the next two seeded teams, number three and number four, play each other. The winner of the team that is number one versus number B advances all the way to the final. But before that match happens, uh, the loser of the number one versus number B matchup plays the winner of the number three versus number four matchup to get into the final. They call that first one the quote-unquote preliminary final. Why they convolute things this way, I'm not really sure, but it looked kind of fun on paper. And that's all you're going to learn from us this particular time around because little person noob has a soft spot for creatures all the world over. And this is the time of show where we like to take a break and hand it over to her for a little question and answer on one of the uh, animals that might be in trouble somewhere in the world. Let's take it away in song. Aminos, aminos, aminos from around the world and on the desk. There's a cat sitting right next to the microphone who was the subject of last week's endangered animals. I still argued that he is not an endangered but animal. But there's only one of him. I don't think that's how that works scientifically. Yes, there's only works. one of that exact cat, but there are at least four cats in the world. This specific cat right here is endangered. In this All right, but we're here to talk about an animal in Australia, and I don't think you know any individual cats in Australia, do you? Not really. No, so what are we going to talk about this year? Or that's this year, <laughs> this episode? Koala bear, which I'm embarrassed to say I did not realize was in trouble to any degree. So what's the first thing that we need to know about a koala bear? It's not a bear. It's not. What's its closest relative? A wombat. Oh, so it's, it, but I know it's not a, but a koala isn't a bat or anything it's close to it. It's not a bat. A wombat's not a bat. No. So a koala bear's not a bear. It is related to the wombat and a wombat's not a bat. Yeah. Wombats sort of look like a really, really small dog or an oversized, bushy sort of guinea pig when I saw a picture of it. Does that sound right? Yeah. Sound fair? It was like a guinea pig with mutton chops, sort of fluffed out. All right, where do we find that? Where do we find this guy? We found it all over Eastern Australia. And where does he like to live? What's his habitat? Eucalyptic woodland. And how much trouble is he in? Uh, his status is vulnerable. Vulnerable, which is right above, which is right before endangered. Okay, so there's vulnerable in the middle. There's on the scientific scale. There's vulnerable, endangered, and then I think critically endangered. Does that sound right? I think so. All right. All right. What are some of the things that uh, threatens him? Why is he endangered? Habitat destruction, brush fire, bush fires, and droughts. Now, one thing I noticed that you don't have in your note is. Predators. Does he have any real serious predators? No. No, I didn't think so either. Now, I do read that sometimes that, and not just for babies that like pythons, uh, pythons and sometimes like some other kind of like wild dogs like dingoes will occasionally threaten them, but they're not a major issue with these guys. Yeah. What's the, what's one of the most interesting things that you can tell us about a koala bear? Is that it may be a dwarf of a giant koala. And a lot of animals in this area from long ago are thought to be dwarf species. 
that makes sense because if they're, uh, you know, if they're used to be big animals and then, you know, for water or food or a variety of reasons, small ones might be able to better survive. So I can see why, you know, uh, as things evolve, that sometimes maybe the smallest instead of the biggest would survive, which is, you know, I'm glad to see or hear about because, I mean, you're very tall now, but you didn't used to be and you're still super skinny and I'm not exactly a really, really tall fellow. So maybe... Maybe we are the superior evolution, and that's what we can learn from the koala bear. Yes. That was deep, wasn't it? Yeah. Is there anything kind of sort of sad you can tell us about the koala, other than its endangered status? Um, well, it has the smallest brain-to-body size ratio of any mammal. Oh, wow. Poor guy. Can you give us an example? So, like, if you, uh, if you put picked eucalyptus leaves... Flat against the surface. It doesn't know what to do. So even if it was hungry, if it's not on the tree, it can't put together even that it's, like, food. Yep. Alright, um, the reason may be because of their dietary restriction. Um, and the leaves are low nutrition, yet yet almost all they eat. Uh, so it can't just support big brain activity. Big brain activity. Big brain also, yeah, uh, that's why they sleep 20 hours a day. So your desire in life, as you've, you've been saying for years, is you're like, I want to be big-brained. So mm-hmm. apparently the way to be big-brained is not to eat high-fiber leaves with uh, very, very little nutritional value. That's a strange thing to have built up over time, that they would choose to eat something almost exclusively that really doesn't help it out all that much. So that's why koala bears sleep all the time then too. That's interesting. How much does it how much does it have to eat since it's such low nutritional value? Almost a pound of leaves per day. Sorry, per day. Wow. Now my understanding is that a lot of the bears don't even ever have to go to the ground basically their whole lives. Um yeah, uh since bears are males are much bigger, they need water from from ground females just to get the leaves. Okay, so the females get enough water from the leaves. The males may sometimes have to go to the ground. Yeah. So what I thought I read, I thought I originally read somewhere that almost all the bears never have to go to the ground, but then I saw other things that make that sound different. Now I know why. Uh, what's the grossest thing you found out about koala bears? Is that they throw up their food for more chewing. Gross! I guess those high-fiber leaves, sometimes they don't get them chewed up the first time around. Mm-mm. And uh, then I did find one thing in my research, and people can use their own Google machines to find out, but basically trying to save the koala bears, there's already a lot of conservation underway because these are a big national animal, these and kangaroos. In fact, in the eastern part of the globe, most foreigners, I read, would say, and by a wide margin, that the koala is much more affiliated with uh, thought of when you think animal in Australia than kangaroo, even kangaroo would always be second. So because it's so high profile, there's already a lot of sanctuaries that have been built and are continuing to be contributed to to try to save these. So what should people do? Save them. Give money. Yeah. Find a sanctuary. Save the koala bears because that way if there are enough of them, what do I get to do? No, no, you do not get to. No. No, you know what? I I don't think I would eat koala now that I think about it. I could make the joke, but there was one thing that I found in my part of the research that I uh, that I didn't put in our notes. Um, one of the things, and it's part of the reason that their uh, their brains haven't developed as much, 
is not only because of the uh, the fact that those eucalyptus leaves are of such low nutritional value, they actually have a lot of toxins in them. So I think that the koala probably, and here I'm guessing a little bit, started eating those because there was no competition for those, is because they're toxic. But I'm not sure that I want to eat a koala bear if all it eats is toxic stuff all day long. Because that might not be good for me. That would be like a dog having chocolate or something like that. So this might be the one endangered animal that I will never risk eating unless I see somebody else eating it first. That won't be you, though, will it? No. Nope. If you see someone eat it and then last like a day or two, then then I guess you could try and eat it. Yeah, but while they're endangered, we probably shouldn't. The world is full of plenty of other tasty food that we can probably leave the koalas alone. Yeah. In their sanctuaries. All right, let's give them the out song. Aminos, Aminos, Aminos from the other side of the world. Sure. Match number seven. Lucky number seven takes us back to Europe to a league that is ranked just inside the top 20 in the European rankings, and that is the Greek Super League. They will send their champions to the Champions League, of course, but they will have to start at the third qualifying round, not the group stage. The runners-up, they will start one further qualifying round back. There are only two matches left in their season, so this really couldn't be any higher stakes. Number one, Panathinaikos taking on number B, AEK Athens, effectively for the title, unless the winner uh, managed to really uh, crap the bed in their very final match of the season. All things are possible. Uh, AEK Athens, they actually have the better goal differential, but that is not the tiebreaker. The tiebreaker is which of the two teams did better in the first phase of the season, and that a slight edge for Panathinaikos. Uh, when they played in the first stage of the season, AEK won at their place 1-0. Panathinaikos won at their place 2-1. Here in the championship round, AEK got to host the first time, and uh, they only earned a 0-0 draw. Like a lot of European leagues, they divide into uh, two separate leagues about two-thirds of the way through the season, top half and bottom half. Series between these two the last several years has been incredibly even. Panathinaikos. Uh, 14, 12, and 13 record. You can starve a mouse pretty much on the difference. Panathinaikos, they're ranked just inside the top 250 clubs overall in Europe. Give you a, a bit of a feel for the landscape there. They are known as the Shamrock, and one is prominently featured on their crest. Um, I know that in America, we tend to think of that as uh, being specifically an Irish emblem. I did a little checking to see if they had a connection ownership-wise to anything Irish. It's not the case uh, over in Greece or maybe Europe in general. It's uh, just as much considered to be a general emblem of uh, uh, virtue, good fortune, things of that nature. They have won 20 league titles, but despite being one of the quote-unquote big three, they haven't won a single one since 2009-2010. Their best finish internationally, the Champions League, they finished in second place in 1971 in what is now known as the Champions League. Mostly these days when they go to the Champions League, like they finish runners-up, they're sort of a third qualifying round sort of team. So they might win a game but not quite get to the group stage more often than not. Last year, they finished in fourth place. This year, the defense has been impressive and then some. They're giving up well under a goal every other match on average. They've only got the third best goal differential, interestingly. The offense is not all that great. 
Tied for second best in assists on the league, their key player, Daniel uh, Daniel Mancini. He's from Argentina, plays right wing for them. Uh, Previously, he'd been with French clubs like uh, Tours and uh, Auxerre. But their overall best player, in my opinion, number one in accurate passes. So, you know, even if they're not scoring a ton of goals, a, a guy that is keeping the other team uh, from being able to get a lot of interceptions and at least keeping some pressure on. That is Ruben Perez, their Spanish central midfielder. He's a 34-year-old who's been doing it a while. Came over from La Liga in Spain. Not one of the better teams, but still a regular one, the Ganes. Other key players to look for. Number one in the league in successful tackles per game, and by a lot, a very physical player. He gets a full three per game on average. That's uh, Enos Kokaj, or Kokaj, C-O-K-A-J. He's an Albanian central midfielder. And then number one in clean sheets on the season in goal for them uh, is Albert Brignoli. He's an Italian goalkeeper, and he's got the best save percentage by quite a bit as well. 81% save rate. Anything over 75 will get you uh, near the top in most European leagues. He came over here from typical, also ran uh, Serie A team Empoli. Team's current form, they are unbeaten in 11 and have won three straight matches. AEK looking to see if they can accept or uh, upset that form. They are one of their nicknames is the double-headed eagle, and that is right there on their crest. And they play out of Nia or New Philadelphia in the Athens area. It's a suburb of about 25,000, just a few miles north of the city center. They've won 12 league titles, but this is another team that hasn't been getting it done here in the most modern era. 2017-18 season is the only one that they won this century. They made the quarterfinals of the now Champions League uh, back in the late 60s once, made the semifinals of the Europa League, or what is now the Europa League, different name back then, in the mid-late 70s. Uh, These days, this is is more of a Europa League group stage sort of team. Last year, they finished in fifth place in the league. No international play for them. This year, they have been playing like a house of fire. It's really something that they're not in first place. Again, they would be if goal differential were the key tiebreaker. They've got tied for the number one offense in the entire league, getting almost two goals per match, and they're only giving up a half a goal a match on average. They've got the number one goal differential by almost a factor of 50%. The second best league scorer is theirs to boast of on the year with 14, and that is Levi Garcia. Uh, he's from Trinidad and Tobago. We get a little CONCACAF connection, plays center forward for them. Started his career uh, with one of the better teams over in the Netherlands, AZ Alkmaar. But their most valuable uh, outfielder, overall player, I guess I should say, rather, number four to assist in the league with seven, that is Sergio Zequio Araujo. He is from Argentina. Uh, play center forward for them. I wish he had a little bit shorter name because I've been struggling. Uh, <laughs> he's been bouncing back and forth between this league and Las Palmas over in Spain since 2014. If they weren't playing at the same time, I would have thought he was doing with some like women's professional basketball players do or uh, women's football players, I could say too, going back and forth like between the U.S. and Australia. Second best in clean sheets is their goalkeeper, uh, homegrown Georgios Athanasiadis. He's got 18 of those. Uh, AEK loaned him out to FC Sharif uh, in Moldova last year, a really interesting team. If you're not familiar with them, 
I won't go down that rabbit trail just now, but that is an interesting one to look up. Team's current form, they are unbeaten in six straight league matches. Match number eight. No rest for the weekend. Weary, we have more big action on Monday, heading over to the women's side of the ball. The UEFA Women's Champions League has reached the second leg of the home and away two-legged tie in the semifinal. The winner of this match will get Barcelona, who have already advanced. Your semifinalists for this one, Arsenal versus Wolfsburg. The first leg that got played in Germany went to a 2-2 draw. Series between these two, not too much to look at. Three matches, Wolfsburg a 1-2-0 record. They have yet to drop a point. You can see if they're going to do it this particular time at 12.45 in the afternoon Eastern time on, I believe, streaming service, D-A-Z-N-U-S-A. Maybe it's a satellite channel as well. Not sure. Arsenal is considered to be the number seven ranked club in all of UEFA. The team has won the Champions League once. That was back in 2006-2007. Uh, Wolverhampton knocked them out in last year's quarterfinal. The Women's Super League that they're representing, by the way, over in England, is the fourth best league in the rankings in all of Europe. They qualified, Arsenal did, for this year's Champions League by finishing second place in that league last year. So they had to enter this event at the second qualifying round. So just one round right before the group stage. They advanced to the semifinal last round by beating Bayern Munich 2-1 to on aggregate. Key player to look for, tied for second best in events scoring with five on the year, is Frida Manum out of Norway. She plays some midfielder for them, but just as much time at a fully defensive position. Uh, tied for third best in assists with four of those is their real superstar, Stena Blackstenia. She's been getting it done for them for a while. She is their Swedish striker. We do have a USA connection here. She doesn't really get to play much of anywhere she goes, but she's made a career for herself so far as a backup. That is American goalkeeper Kaylin uh, Marquezzi or Marquise. Not sure about the pronunciation. She actually started her senior career with uh, Gotham FC, rostered, but she didn't make any appearances there either. Team's current form, they are 1-1-1 one, one, one in their last three across all competitions. And now Wolverhampton, they are known as the She-Wolves, plural, unlike Roma. They have won the Champions League twice, 2013-14. Uh, since that time, they've made the final three different times, each and every time, losing to, at the time, the most dominant team in the world, Lyon. Lyon is still way up there, but now there's a few more teams that can at least compete with them pretty regularly. Last year... Wolfsburg made the semifinal. The league they play out of, called the Frauen Bundesliga, is the second-ranked league in all of Europe. Wolf, uh, Wolfsburg, they qualified as the champions of that league. They advanced over PSG from France last round, 2-1 to one on aggregate for the quarterfinal. Number one by several goals in the event so far, with eight already, is uh, Eva Pajor. She, uh, and I'm hoping I'm getting there. I could be Pajor. She's a striker from Poland. She's very intimidating. I don't want to mispronounce her name, but I'm just not as familiar with the Polish. Tied for number three in assists on the league or in the event with four is Svenja Huth. She is a forward for them. Team's current form, they have a four-match unbeaten streak going across all competitions. And now, for no particular reason whatsoever, it's time to take a break from the soccer and do... Jokes in the jelly jar. Jokes in the jelly jar. Jokes in the jelly. I'm a kind of a funny fally. Jokes in the jelly jar. You're also smelly. Oh, that's the wrong rhyme to use. All right, are you ready for jokes? Dad-style jokes. 
P-Noob? Hi. I hate standing in line. What? Just as much as that next guy. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Why should you be quiet when you're in the pharmacy? Hmm. Why? You might wake up the sleeping pills. Wow. I was so unpopular at school. Do you know what they used to call me? Hmm. Batteries. You know why? Because I was never included in anything. I also have some jokes for you. Oh, okay. Go ahead. How do you make seven even? I don't know. How? By taking away the S. Oh, gosh. <laughs> okay. Did you get a haircut? Yes. Well, no. You got them all cut. How how does a penguin build its house? How? It glues it together. Boo! And I only know 25 letters of the alphabet. I don't know why. And that was... Jokes in the jelly jar. Jokes in the jelly jar. Jokes in the jelly. I wish I'd instead watched the telly. Okay, that was a stretch. Jokes, Jokes in, in the jelly, jelly jar. Oh, yeah. Match number nine. All right, new bites. You finally get a day of respite Tuesday, but we're back in action Wednesday for a little bit of a minnow watch from the FA Cup in Hungary. They have reached their final there. One of the two teams is from the second division. Just to give a little bit of ability perspective, I'll let you know that the NBI, the top-ranked league, uh, in Hungary is ranked number 25 or just above average in Europe. Here in this knockout event, teams as low as the sixth tier got to participate, and there are real stakes. The winner gets to go to the Europa Conference League, and these are two teams that wouldn't be going into international play any other way, especially your home team, Budafoki MTE. Heretofore, just as they do there, we'll be simply referring to them as MTE. They play in the NB2, the second division, and they will be playing... Oh, I hope I get this close to right. Oh, Hungarian and Polish both throw me off. Zaligerzeg. Uh, yeah, close enough. Lots of Zs. They, they are going to play this in Budapest, so technically a neutral site. Series between these two, they've played a couple times in recent years, and it's been perfectly even. Two 0-2 records all around. MTE, they are your second division entrance here. It would be really something to see them get into international play, even though they're not in the top flight, uh, nor will they be getting promoted to the top flight for next year. It doesn't look like they're in 11th place out of the 20 teams in the NB2. Uh, their stats are just a little bit below average all the way around, so it's no fluke. They're not going anywhere. They entered this event in the third round or round of 64. They advanced to the final over a different division one team, but albeit one in very last place, Vasha Budapest. They got him at home and they drubbed him three, nothing earlier in the tournament. Uh, they also beat a different NB one team. And that was Kishvarda, a mid table side, maybe a best. And they beat them two to nothing. So this is a team that is not going to be intimidated. In fact, I recognize the name, which means they must have played in the top flight within the last couple, three years at the very least. Interesting little bit of history for the club. Like a lot of Hungarian clubs, they nearly dissolved after the fall of communism, but a big wine producer bought them. That's huge in this region because then they ended up selling them uh, in pretty short order to yet another one. 
that one actually bought them because they just wanted to put a factory for wine production where the stadium was. But some people in the community negotiated them out of that. And so here they still are. It used to be a separate city, but Budapest has grown out to meet them. So now it's sort of an outlying neighborhood. And it is known as Cellar Town because of all the wine production, which I think is cool. And now Zalagerzeg from the top flight. That most definitely not in the capital. That city, same name, is about two hours west-southwest of Budapest, a city of about 60,000 real close to the Slovenian and Austrian borders. They're not having a great league season either. They're only in ninth place in the NB1. Uh, they've got a only a top 10 offense real near the bottom. The defense is a fair bit better. Overall, it makes them pretty average. They're a small ball team. They don't try to score a lot, I don't think. The one guy that bucks that trend, and I wish I had heard of him before because I tried to track American players, they have one and a guy who was – is uh, from a city that's only 90 minutes from where I grew up, Bettendorf, Iowa. His name is Eduvier Ikoba, and he plays forward for them. Dallas fans might remember the name. He got drafted out of Dartmouth, but he never ended up getting a contract from Dallas. So he's been over in Europe, mostly playing uh, here and in Slovakia. This team also entered this event at the third round. They advanced over fellow mid-tablers in the top flight, number five, Pushkash Academia, 1-0, and it took added extra time. This is a team that's had some uh, league and international success, though, just to give an idea of that. 2009-2010, they were runner-ups in this event, best they've ever done. 2002-2003, they made the third qualifying round of the Champions League, almost the group stage. And in 2010-2011, their last international appearance, they uh, lost in the first qualifying round of the Europa League. So just like their opponents today, they will be be beyond excited if they get to raise the trophy and know that next year they will get to play in one of the international tournaments in Europe. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! Yes, finally, daughter dearest, and finally we are headed back closer to home. Once again, CONCACAF Champions League time. Our big tournament has reached a semifinal, second leg of the home and away two-legged tie. And despite our name, Rockin' America, right there in it, we're not going to do Philadelphia and LAFC. I'm sorry. On paper, Leon and UANL, Tigrace, it looks like the better matchup to me. Uh, Tigrace won the first leg 1-2, to two, so I expect more goals when they travel to Leon for this one. We can find out if I'm right by watching on Unamas or Fox Sports 1, depending on which language you want your broadcast in, 10 o'clock Eastern Time in the U.S. Leon, they qualified by winning the 2021-22 Apertura or opening stage. Remember Liga MX down in Mexico, like a lot of Spanish-speaking countries in this hemisphere, they divide their season into two separate seasons, opening and closing stages. They advanced over Violette from Haiti, 6-2 on aggregate last round. And lest you think that that was a lucky draw for them, well, maybe, but Violette absolutely housed Austin in the previous round. And Violette won one of the two games against Lyon. Lyon just happened to really manhandle them in the other one. On the scoring leaderboard in this event with a couple of goals is Elias Hernandez, veteran, 34 years old, plays winger for them. I wonder if this is helpful when it happens. He played for uh, Tigres. Well, you know what? Maybe not. It was a while back. I'm seeing him. It was 2012 through 14, so much earlier in his career. But the best player in the league, in league play for them so far in the year has been Yari 
Yairo Moreno. He plays left midfielder for them, but he's injured. They're really going to miss his dribbling and his speed. He is very hard to dispossess. So the next best player on the team, in my opinion, and it makes me think that they're not going to try to push the pace at home. And that is Jaime Barairo. He is from Colombia and plays center back for them. Not a great passer, but they don't need him to be. He's looking for clearances. Teams current form, they're not coming in in good form. 0-2 and 3 over their last five across all competitions. And now UA, UANL, they're traveling up from uh, Monterey, San Nicolas de la Garza specifically in that greater conurbation. They won this event in 2020. They should be your favorites in this particular match. They finished in second place in the FIFA Club World Cup that very same year. Normally you see a European team and a South American team in the final, it seems like, every time for that. They qualified as the very last of the four Mexican entrants into this event. They didn't win the Apertura stage, obviously, nor did they win the Clausura, but they did finish with the best aggregate record out of all the teams between the two stages, though. They advanced easily in the semifinal over uh, Honduran power Matagua, six to nothing on aggregate. Top 10 in event scoring for this one with three is Luis Quinones, Colombian winger, but their best overall player from league play and the most likely one to get a key goal here is Andre Pinier Guignac because he's the sort of guy that can, uh, he could break down a defense. So even if they try to park the bus, this is a guy who can get it through. He's been doing it for a long time. He's a Frenchman, plays center forward, 37 years old, but he's been in Mexico pretty close to a decade, so he knows how everybody plays down there. Uh, before that, he did do time over in Europe with clubs like Marseille and uh, Toulouse and a couple of other ones. Teams current form, they are unbeaten in their last four, and over that stretch, they only conceded one goal. Bring forth the bonus matches! My handle on Twitter is SoccerNewBUSA. At the beginning of every single week, I put up polls with candidate matches for these very unique bonus matches. The first is a first versus last place game we dramatically call the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And the roadkill match that you have selected is from the Premier League of Ghana on Monday. It is the number 27 ranked league in all of Africa. That is tied for last amongst the leagues that they bother to rank down there, which really means they're just a little bit better than average overall for the continent. Their winners get to go to the Champions League. Three of the 18 teams are going to get relegated, and there are just six matches left in the season. Let's have a look at number 18 in last place, Kotoku Royals. They are taking on number one, league-leading Ajuana Stars. The Stars lead number B, Medeyama SC, by just three in the table. Not much chance they're going to be falling asleep for a match like this. Uh, meanwhile, the Royals, uh, they trail number 15, Great Olympics, by 12 points. That is the that is the benchmark for safety right now, not getting dropped down to the second division. So they're not mathematically out of it, but they're going to need some wins. And they're going to need some help. It is looking very grim for Kotoku. When they played at the Stars Place earlier this season, it was Ajuana winning 2 to nil. The series has been a very brief one, and Ajuana have a 1-1-0 record against them. Nevertheless, we talk about the home team first, and that is 
the Royals, a moderately young club founded in just 2003. They play out of a city in the south central part of the country called Akim Oda, about 60,000 people there or so, known very much for its cocoa growing, and then uh, just barely secondarily, gold and diamond mining, really fascinating area. It was hard to find a lot of information about Ghana's Premier League in general, and I could find virtually nothing on their second division. I'm pretty sure this team played in the second division last year based on when they were founded because they were not in the Premier League last year. So they were either in the second division or they bought somebody's license, one or the other. Their offense is you know, not great. They don't get quite a goal per game, but their defense is the worst by a ton. This is not a very high scoring league, and yet they get up over a goal and a half per match on average. They have the worst goal differential by a factor of two. Woof. They have two guys on the scoring leaderboard for the league. Uh, Francis Kumi, he has eight, and Richard uh, Dezico, he's got seven. Team's current form, 0-2 in their th- 0-2-3 in their last five. But we always, with the roadkill match, we look for any kind of little glimmer of hope that we can possibly find. Can there be an upset? Could they at least pull a draw? Well, I said 0-2-3. They've been draw, loss, draw, loss every other match for a while. And it's time for a draw. Maybe they can earn themselves a little bit of respect and earn a point at home against Ajuana. They'll be traveling from their home city of Dorma Ahinkro in the far west central part of the country. This is an area, I don't know if this is self-described or not, but very known for its brave warlords. They've won the league title twice. Most recent time was 2017. 2010, when they actually won the first one, was their very first year in the Premier League. They've made two Champions League appearances, but have never gotten past the first round. 2018, they got to play in the secondary international club tournament in Africa called the Confederation Cup, and they made the group stage. Last year in league play, they were a bit below average. Less, uh, we're just in 11th was all. This year, the offense down about that same area, but they're uh, shining on defense this year, only giving up two goals every three matches on average. They've got a top two goal differential. Two players on the scoring leaderboard there, or their team scoring leaders tied at five goals each, I should say, are Bright Ajay and Isaac Minta. Isaac Minta has been coming on a little bit more as the season has progressed because I uh, recognize that name, Bright Ajay, from covering the team previously. Team's current form, they are 3-0-1 in their last four. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. (laughs) Person Noob and I come in peace, not to make fun of these teams for which you have voted, which I hope you understand, but rather to celebrate them because everybody talks about great teams. Some people talk about some of the worst teams. Last match, you got one of each. Whoever talks about the guys who are just kind of stuck in the middle, clowns to the left of them, jokers to the right, here they are. Stuck in the middle with each other. The ones you voted for is a Thursday match from the Premier League in Ukraine. They won by a landslide. That league, by the way, is ranked number 14 in all of Europe. Five of their teams will get to go to various European tournaments. On the other end of things, two of the 16 teams will be relegated. 
Two will have to fight for the chance to stay up against second division teams in what are called relegation playout matches. But you know what? These two teams probably don't have to worry about any of that. I don't know why I even mention it. Talking about number nine, Inhulets Petrov. They're taking on number eight, Krivbas. Uh, Krivbas, they trail number five. That's the lowest team right now that would get to go to an international tournament. FC Alexandria by six points. Now, that's not a ton, but they've got some teams that they've got to skip over. Meanwhile, Inhulets, they lead number 13 FC Minaj or Minai, not sure which. It's got a J on the end. Maybe Nicky Minaj is the owner. Probably not. Uh, by four points in the table, so even less. But once again, there's teams in between that really give them a buffer for safety. Uh, Krivbos, by the way, also lead uh, Inhulets by two in the table. Krivbos won when they played earlier this season, two to one at their place. But this time they travel to Petrov. That is the name of the city. Inhulets is actually the name of the regional river. It's a city of only about 7,000 people. Makes me wonder if there's sort of a mini conurbation of a lot of villages around there. It's not a very big population base for any kind of professional club. The club was founded by a big agricultural company. And uh, that's one side note. Another is that the man wielding a spear on their crest, he has a huge, glorious mustache. It almost becomes a goatee. And I am just absolutely infatuated with it. This may be my favorite Ukrainian team right now for that sole reason alone. The club is a young one founded in 2013. And in fact, last year was their first year in the Premier League. Their best success, 2018-2019, yeah, before they were even in the top flight, they were runners-up in the Ukrainian FA Cup. Last year, they just missed out on that relegation zone. They finished in 14th place. This year, they have been trying to tread water by kind of playing small ball. They've got a well-below-average offense, a little bit above average on the defense. Tied for number one in team scoring, which is five on the year. He's got an assist as well, making him their best offensive player. That is Oleksandr Kozak. He plays central forward for them. And then on the assist leaderboard with four is another homegrown player, Vladislav Klimenko. And he's actually a defensively oriented midfielder. Not so defensive this season, maybe. Team's current form, they are 1-1-2 in their last four. And small ball indeed, uh, there have only been three goals scored in those games by both teams put together. Uh, Krivbas, the full name of the club is Krivbas Krivy Rih. R-I-H is that last one. I'm only guessing at all three of those, to be honest. But somebody who uh, runs a Ukrainian football-related account on Twitter told me that at least the first name in the club He's like, oh, yeah, it's pronounced just how it looks. Yeah, well, you try dealing with a word that starts with K-R-Y-V-B when it's Latinized. Not so easy looking. Uh, Krivbos is the historical name for the Iron Ore Basin region of this area. The actual, or yeah, Krivbos is the historical regional name. The city full name is Krivye Re, and it's the seventh biggest one in the country. It has uh, well over 600,000 people. Uh, the Russian invasion has gotten pretty close to here, but I think as of at least February, it never quite got um, all the way here. I think it's stalled as far as the infantry, maybe 30 miles south of there. But I have read that they do, do still get hit with the occasional missile attack, sadly. The club was first founded in 1915. They went bankrupt in uh, 2013 or 14 and then were refounded in 2020. Uh, basically, the directive of the president, which is kind of interesting that he get that involved. Uh, 
And now the old team, which had a similar but slightly different name, has been reestablished under that original name, and they're playing in the third tier. Won't it be interesting if they end up in the same tier again sometime? This team has earned two straight promotions, so this is their first year in the Premier League as well. Normally, I would expect to see two newly promoted teams like these two facing off in uh, what we'll get to momentarily, the third and final bonus match. If you're new, oh, you'll see. Last year, they got promoted by finishing in second place in the second division. They, too, are a small ball team. They've got a very poor offense and uh, a defense that's pretty much on par with their opponents today. I don't think they'll be picking up a point here on the road, quite frankly. Uh, tied for scoring amongst the team with four, and he's got an assist. That qualifies him, in my mind, as their best offensive player, is Rifet Kapic. He is from Bosnia and Herzegovina and plays defensive midfielder for them. He's been loaned to a team I mentioned earlier, that Moldovan one again, two different times, FC Sharif. And on the assist leaderboard with four for them for the league is Makita uh, Tartarkov, plays attacking midfielder. Team's current form, they have lost two straight matches. And now to finish off the podcast, two teams that we are most definitely not celebrating, but we are going to at least do them the courtesy of trying to get to know them before they get relegated to uh, the hellscape that is the second division wherever they play. This is the match of Disappointed! And we go to the Indian Ocean, east of Madagascar, to f- visit the French Overseas Territory with its own Premier League of Reunion on Sunday. I don't even know if that's the French pronunciation. It's the match of Disappointed. They don't deserve for me to look it up, quite frankly. Uh, as a French Overseas Territory, uh, their teams get to compete in the Coupe de France, the FA Cup of France. Their national team, just as a side note, uh, they are an associate member of the African Confederation, so their winner will also get to go to the Champions League. Neither of these two teams has got to worry about that. What they are more concerned with is that three of the 14 teams are going to get relegated, and then even the one above that could get relegated. They'll have to play in a relegation playout match. It's pretty early in the season, but we're not offering any excuse to these two sad sack cellar dwellers. And we're talking about number 13, uh, St. Marianne versus number 14, Capricorn. They are the only two winless teams left in the league. St. Marianne currently lead Capricorn by one, uh, and they trail number 10, OSCA Leopards, by three. It's early in the season. Either of these teams could climb out of there, but they are there for a reason. Interesting side note about this league, like all of the French overseas territories, and I hadn't really put this all together, uh, they all use a 4-2-1 system for their points. What that means is normally in soccer, you get three points for a win, each team gets one for a draw, and you get bubkis for a, uh, a loss. Not so in the French overseas territories. They're kind of doing what some of the minor league stuff has done in baseball. They try out different rules, I guess. They get four points for a win. Each team gets two points for a loss. And even if you just bother to show up, <laughs> you get a point. And we start with your home team, St. Marianne. They play out of the city of St. Marie, which is on the north side of the island. It borders the capital city of St. Denis on the east side. About 35,000 people there. And the airport is there, which must be a really big deal because they reserved a quarter of the crest to having a jumbo jet looking plane on it. This team has had a little bit of success in their past. They won the Coupe de la Réunion, which is the 
uh, Island Territories FA Cup. The winner gets to go on into the Coupe de France. They won the Island version in 2010. I didn't see that they got to, a specific record that they got to play in the Coupe de France. They must have and then just lost right away. They did the next year get to play in the Confederation Cup, the secondary tournament over in Africa, in the preliminary round in 2011. So no wins, but at least they got to make a trip to the mainland. Last year in league play, they did much better. They finished in fifth place. This year, the defense is bad. The offense is absolutely pitiful. They only get a half a goal per game on average. That is worst in the league. Team's current form. The more recent of their two draws was two matches ago. Uh, that was a 1-1 tie versus OSCA. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Away. Hey, boo. boo. Elphine. This has been episode 133 of Soccer Noob Rock in America. Featuring Person Noob, I would like to thank he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production wizardry to Dan, the former Interno Inferno, whose creative efforts and inspirations, as always, ah, on fire. To my daughter, Person Noob, thank you so much for helping me with the recording, especially given that when I've been doing this of late has been pretty much when you've been falling asleep as I record this right now. She's about six feet behind me and all but snoring logs back there. Hopefully it's not showing up on here. And thank you to you for finding the show, listening to the show. And we thank you in advance if you are so inclined to pass our name along to your footy-minded friends. Until we can do it again in a few days, please have yourselves a fabulous footy week. Take care.